Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, <laughs> why don't you give them a shot you can find a therapist that you can connect with their resource is thousands of therapists well-trained and experienced you can keep looking until you find someone that you click with they have customized online therapy they do offer videos but they also offer phone and live chat sessions so you don't even have to be seen you can only be heard what are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stages. Go, go, go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast, where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. I mean, I get real sappy when I talk about my my pals that I call them my family from the falsettos. But when I hugged you on that Tony carpet, because I was uh, nervous, Andrew, me too. I was nervous to come back to that world, to that scene, yeah. to all of it. It's nice to hear you say that because I felt the same way I was very nervous. I was very honored to be included. Mm, me too. Um, but nervous about going back and not sure if I could even do it anymore. Quite right. frankly. I was like, do I know how to do this? Like, do I know how to even just like walk on a carpet and talk to people? And can I still take photos? I don't know. And then was, <laughs> you know, had to sing that night. And I was like, I don't, this is very overwhelming. But with every step, you know, seeing you and seeing you know, Kelly or seeing Norm Lewis or, you know, just like, you know, running into people. It was like, oh, this is part, we're a part of this community. And this right. does feel like a celebration of the community. Right. Um, which felt really great. It so. did feel great. I consider this guest the Midwestern Cary Grant of our time. From his undeniable likability, his charm, quick wit, timing, good looks, style, he has the stature and the face and the hair, people, to get him cast as characters who are named Trent and Elijah and Blair. You need good hair for Blair. If you know Andrew Reynolds and you don't like him, I do not trust you. He is a loyal present and dear friend. And that commitment to his friends and his family reflects not only in his relationships, but his commitment to work. He has starred in multiple television series, and he's currently starring in Showtime's Black Monday. And he's voicing multiple characters in Netflix, Big Mouth. And he is a delight. And you are in for a great conversation. Please welcome my dear friend, Andrew Reynolds. Andrew Reynolds to stage, please. Andrew, can we have you to stage? That's my favorite bio I've ever um, had uh, read about me. Well, Thank you. I think the world of you and you and I have done a couple of first togethers. You we know, have. for me, um, listeners, I, I think now it's legal. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. The first and only time I smoked pot was ah. with Mr. Andrew Rannells. <laughs> ah. 
it was very well sort of um, protected. It was in my own backyard. Uh, We knew where the hash or hashish, what do you even call it? The junga. The weed. Junga. Ganja, not junga. We were were also with, we were with people. I'm not we a were. big weed smoker. No. You are not a big weed but smoker. But we had the Brandon Uranowitz and we had the Christian Borel. Do you think we're betraying their... No, we're not, right? I think that's part of their brand, right? I think so too. I think so too. And they, yes, and they they sort of talked us through the process. And it was safe and fun. And all I remember, yeah. it felt very <laughs> calming and normal. I just remember Brandon Uranowitz kept saying, Moises Kaufman, the playwright yes. Moises Kaufman. And for some reason that tickled me in a way that I could yes. not Because he says Moises. <laughs> Moises. So, you know, my relationship with you goes deep. Uh, it does. I thought we were going to talk. I thought you were going to say something about like, we performed at Carnegie Hall together. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> it is true. You, you and that was the first time I had a solo or duet show at Carnegie yeah. Hall was with you. We do, yes. Okay, we, so we we're going together. to the classiest of classies to perhaps not so classy. Maybe, I mean, but we're hip. You know what? Yeah, we're hip and we're it adds to hip. the levels of who we are and the depth to all of our performances <laughs> with these experiences. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was character building. It's very mm. character building. So you're super um, busy, my friend. And I never know if you're on the East Coast, West Coast, or what does I, that look like for you right now? I am on the East Coast. Um, okay. It's, um, you know, I, I've been very lucky in the past few years to be able to go back and forth between Los Angeles and, and New York. Um, obviously, New York is where I feel most at home, or maybe not obviously, but this is where I moved when I was 19 years old. So mm-hmm. I feel like this is really where... I'm based, but, um, but I like the West coast. I spent the good majority of our, um, ongoing pandemic, um, in Los Angeles, which was, um, which I know you also made the trek West as well on the West, on the West. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I like, I like, you know, having the, you know, the possibility of going back and forth. It's sort of the best of of both worlds. Marley, are you, you're also on the West coast. Yes. No, I'm on the East coast. I'm up in Boston. Oh, oh well, look at that. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's a native at, what do they call you? Are you a mass hole? That's a thing though, right? They say that. Yeah. I, I, I feel very much more like a New Yorker <laughs> than I do like a Massachusetts person, but yeah, most Massachusetts yeah. would be considered mass holes. And listeners in Massachusetts, this is not a blanket statement. I just recently heard that there, you know, you could be qualified if you have certain characteristics. It depends how you drive. That's cr- oh, oh, really? That's really? the test. Mm-hmm. Huh? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. People drive oh, like right. crazy people in this town. Oh. Crazy. But even when I, when I first started, when I lived in New York and I would drive in, people would be like, oh God, driving in New York, it's nothing compared to driving in Boston. People drive like really crazy people in Boston. Yeah. It's oh, crazy. Driving in New York gives me severe anxiety. I do not like doing it. Yeah. Cause it's also, like- also do you recall? So after we had our, we had a slumber party at your house, yep. we got stuck in crazy traffic. Yep. Stephanie was driving us back I from was. Maplewood. Yep. And we were in that car for, I think it was 18 hours. It certainly um, felt like We should have been in Greece, like Athens, by the time we got out of the car. So we weren't there. We were just still, in Midtown. 
<laughs> I still Actually, have videos. I was videoing the in the, enti- the entire ride of mm-hmm. us like checking in. Mm-hmm. So I think I if have- you go back and look at that video, you'll see it was actually just a two hour drive, but you were still really high. So you thought it was an 18 hour <laughs> drive. And I was behind the wheel. And you have to be, you know, when you're driving in New York, you have to be aggressive, defensive. You know what I mean? Like you have to be on uh, very much aware of what's going on around you. But if you just sit back and let others take charge, you'll never get anywhere. So you have to, I guess I'm a little defensive, aggressive. So perhaps, um, you know, and you had three yahoos in your car who were just like screaming. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for getting us there safely. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. I saved your life. But I have to ask, before Stephen Sondheim left this physical world, Mm -hmm. did you ever get to share a meal or a space or a conversation with him? A few times over the years, yes. I did a a reading. When when, when, when was that? This was probably about eight years ago, um, the roundabout did a reading of company. Mm. Um, and it was like a, a gay version of oh. company. Oh. So I, I played Marta, um, John Tiffany directed it. Um, and Stephen Hoggett was going to choreograph it. And we had a really, um, special week of just like learning that material. And it was like mm. a really, really great group of people that production did not happen but that's the only time i actually got to work with him yeah that's one that's one for the uh yeah that's a thrill yeah you're so lucky what was it like what was he like he's very nice i found him to be very grateful about people performing his work and very sort of emotional about hearing his work performed in a new way and um and then with our friend a few years later with um james lapine Mm. remember when he had that Bar Mitzvah. Yes, we were supposed to sit at the table with Stephen Sondheim, but it didn't happen. But I, it, I was, I was back. I was spent a lot of time backstage with him <gasps> at that because Christian and I performed that night. We did. Yes, that was sort of the the sort of beginning of the talks of of, of Falsetto's revival. Yes. Was that Christian and I sang Thrill of First Love together, and that's sort of what kicked off that mm-hmm. conversation. But I got to just sit next to Stephen Sondheim and just. I tried not to nerd out too much, but it's hard. Yeah. It's, it was hard not. No, I nerded out because I was sitting at the table and there was a place, you know, a, what do you call those little place cards? Little place place cards. cards. Yeah. That said, Mr. Steven Sondheim I was like, oh, it's happening. He's sitting at the table, conversations. I will be jaunty. I will be serious. I will be distant yep. yet approachable. Like I had my whole and he just never came to the table. And I've had a couple moments like that. There was another I remember James was having a Christmas party and I had to go early. It was Celia Keenan-Bolger and myself that came early because then we had to rush off and and do our shows. And so we spent a good half an hour and I kept looking at my watch going, okay, I can wait another three minutes. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to wait another four minutes. And I kept pushing (laughs) it, pushing it, pushing it. And finally I was like, crap, I have got to go, go. or I'm not going to be able to, you know, make the share face happen. And I'm coming down in the elevator, elevator doors open. Who the F is standing right there? Oh my God. There he is. It would have been awkward had I said, oh my gosh, Steven, it wasn't the place. It wasn't the time. So literally 
you know, I feel passing. like I've been living in a Stephen Sondheim musical, just trying to meet him, but it's <laughs> well, never happened. Well, it's it. Um, I had just gone to the opening of Assassins at Classic yeah. Stage Company, and he was there. He was in the front row of the theater. This was about a week before he passed away. And um, it was, you know, it was a, a thrill to see him. But sort of to your point, I was with a friend of mine and he was like, well, go say hello. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> This is not, yeah. we're all wearing masks yeah. and like, it, there'd be so many disclaimers. There'd be so many like, for me, from the Book of Mormon, like <laughs> I would have to like, um, and he actually, he actually was very instrumental in, in helping the Book of Mormon along. Really? Um, he, really? He came to, he came to a lot of our rehearsals for our workshop and he was, he was around quite a bit. Trey and Trey Parker and Matt Stone were pretty close with him. And he was really helpful about giving notes. And, you know, that was their first musical they had written. And so he came in, he was around a lot for that workshop that we did, which was right. also exciting, but not, he didn't like, wasn't hands-on. He would like watch and then he would talk to Trey and Matt. So right. we kind of had a little bit of distance. from him. Because I read a letter, I think on social media that Stephen Sondheim was watching South Park and literally unsolicitedly, yeah. is that a word? Unsolicitedly wrote them a letter saying, I love your humor. I love everything. If you all ever want to write a musical, would you please consider no collaborating kidding. with me? Yeah. Wow. Pretty okay. Yeah. Pretty incredible. I wrote, when I first got to New York, I used to do Steps of the Palace as one of my audition songs all the time. And I had it sure. recorded and I found out where he lived and I sent him a letter with a little recording of it and telling him the story about how I drove my poor brothers up and down the walls, listening to Sunday in the Park constantly in my bedroom, singing it to, to no end over and over. And he actually wrote me back. And he said, I loved, I loved your letter. It made me laugh. I really, really appreciate it. But I never accept unsolicited music from anyone. But but thank you for the letter. He was very sweet. It was really great. That's very nice. Yeah, he was very very nice. nice. In listening, yeah, I didn't read your book. People, I encourage you to read it, although in Andrew's voice. Um, the book that I'm speaking of is Too Much Is Not Enough. And uh, you can buy the book in hard copy, but you can also listen to it on Audible. It. That's how yes, I listened right. to it, on Audible. And it was so good. Mm. I finished it in a day. Oh, thank you. I oh, loved it. You. It was really fun. All seven hours and eight minutes or something like that. It's yeah, like I just hours. put it on that day and I cooked and I did a bunch of stuff and I just listened to it. It kept me company the whole day. I loved it. When I was listening to every chapter, I thought, okay, I need to know a few things. I need to know, did his family and his parents know the content of the book before the book was published or aired? Because there's a lot going on in your life. I'm not I'm not yeah. going to do spoiler alert, but there's a lot of um, activity happening when you're 16, 17, 18, yeah. 19. These are big things. Yeah. No, it was hard to, it was hard to, I mean, I wanted to share those stories because I felt like, you know, we come in contact with a lot of people at those stage doors, young people who are, you know, wanting to start careers and, you know, be on Broadway. And I couldn't help but think, especially when we were doing falsettos, that, you know, maybe some of those kids were in the same position that I was in. And Mm -hmm. I found myself as a kid in Omaha doing a lot of community theater and being sort of a mature Mm -hmm. teenager. And sometimes you get put in really uncomfortable positions with adults who sort of take your age for granted. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me is because I I sort of 
presented as like an older kid, but I was like 16 years old. And this 40 year old man decided that seems like a good idea. And I was trying to be mature and thought I could handle that. And I couldn't handle it. It was really, um, was really upsetting and it was very troubling, but it, you know, I just, so I was like, well, I'm going to share that story as sort of a cautionary tale. And also like if somebody else perhaps finds themselves in that situation, Mm. that there's always an out and you can always find somebody to talk to. And when I was going through it, I, I just didn't feel like there was anyone to talk to. And it was, you know, I wasn't really out to my family. And so how do I come out to my family and then also say like, oh, and by the way, I'm having sex with a 40 year old. Like Mm -hmm. the whole thing was just overwhelming. So I tried my best to sort of deal with it on my own. And, you know, luckily, like, you know, I came out the other side of it, but, um, but that was, it was a tough time, but sometimes I see those kids, you know, these young people reach out and I'm sure, you know, to, to both of you as well about like how to get started and how to, and there's so much else that's wrapped up in it other Mm -hmm. than like, what 16 bars do I sing? Like, there's a lot that can happen to a kid when they're Mm -hmm. young and trying to pursue this as a career. I really appreciated that you shared that story because I think the more you shed light on and make discussable stories like that about predators or uh, situations that young, hopeful kids find themselves in, the the less those predators will have the chance to operate. Because when I was 16, I had a predator story as well. And and it was a relative. And what they do is groom you with little, little lies and little secrets to see what you'll keep. And then when they see you'll keep the little lies and the little secrets, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you find yourself trapped. And it's easy to find yourself trapped when you're young, when you don't have the experience experience like that of life of, and you kind of trust that, oh, well, the, the world is a good place. And most people aren't bad. When you have that realization that there are very bad people out there and they don't wear, I used to say to my son all the time, they don't wear a little sign saying, you know, <laughs> predator, predator, predator. They seem yeah. usually very charismatic and very wonderful. The, the key for me was to always say to my son, if anyone asks you to keep a secret, I promise you they are not looking out for you. They're mm. looking out for themselves. Mm. So don't keep anyone's secret because it's just the gateway to usually the gateway to much bigger problems. That's a um, very good way to say that. Yeah, yeah. A very succinct way to say that. Yes. Andrew, do you think you would have, let's say you're a 16 year old now with social media and all these different sort of um, digital platforms that you can, you know, make friends on, but of course those friendships can turn into a whole different myriad of ways. I know I could never navigate what is happening online now. I just couldn't. No, no, no. No. And for many reasons, like, I think that, you know, there's so, there's so much access to everybody. Like, you know, I, I couldn't just reach out to Bernadette Peters on Instagram when I was 14, but But, guess what? You know, kids can can. do that now. Kids can do that. And there's Instagram and I've done a couple stints on cameo for various charities. And like these kids have access to you in a very different way, which, um, I think it's a little unnerving, not to mention the fact that if I was a kid now, I'm sure I would be posting really bad videos of me singing like corner in the sky (laughs) and like, and those don't go away. No, they don't go away. (laughs) That's what I try to tell those kids. No, no, no. You don't want to post that. 
I didn't actually sing Corner of the Sky. I my go-to was Extraordinary from Pippin. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just sure. wanted to be I wanted to be a little a different. little yeah, t- turn it on its heels just a bit. You know, it's contrarian. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of savvy though, because if they hear your voice singing that tune, but they know you're not gonna end up performing it, they will say, Hey, do you have something else? And you just earned yourself another two and a half minutes in the room, mm-hmm. my friend. There That's a savvy. Nebraska talent. (laughs) (laughs) Now I need to know, because I didn't realize until again, I heard the preface of your book. MGM was truly my North star. And the reason I'm here, Greece two, I do find better than Greece one, very controversial. And Miss Piggy, do you have any idea that like my top three (laughs) Christmas gifts was a hand puppet Miss Piggy from Santa? And that was like one of my best friends. She stayed on my hand for months. We can begin with the Miss Piggy. I think that's a smart choice. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Piggy, I feel like a tough lady, a strong female character. And as you know, Little gay boys are drawn to strong female characters. Not only was she funny and she was sort of glamorous, but she also like, I think it is it the great Muppet caper where she's yes. like in the motorcycle and the, <laughs> and there's like stunts involved. And I really, I was like, well, that's what I want to be. As well, I want to yeah. be Miss Piggy. If you think back to me behind the wheel in New York City, can't you see it? Aggressive, defensive. Aggressive, mm-hmm. defensive. All coming mm-hmm. from and, Miss Pigs. And glamorous. We, and glamorous. Thank we you. learned it from, from her. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was a really... But now at the same time, I was obsessively watching Grease 2. And I know well, you're Michael. Podcast. You are Michael. Well, my whole hair life has been... I've been chasing Maxwell Caulfield. <laughs> and I got to meet Maxwell Caulfield at like a um, Easter bonnet. He was doing a play and we were both, you know, presenting something and we shared a dressing room together. And I was like sweating profusely <laughs> and so nervous. And I finally said to him, I was like, I just have to tell you, you are such a huge part of my sexuality. And he said, I hear that a lot. I was like, well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Maxwell Coffee. Now, is a person on a motorcycle still super well, sexy to you? See what I I'm mean, saying? I, Miss Piggy. Yep. Maxwell I didn't Cole. put that together. I didn't put it together. But now that you say it, I've never dated anyone who drove a motorcycle, nor have I ever oh, driven God. a motorcycle. But um, yes, you're right. Cool yeah. Writer. Taking that and, helmet off yes. and then sort of blow, you know, Michael! the hair in the wind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that guy? Where uh, did he come from? I mean, it's so all just good. so good. <laughs> It's yeah, really good. One of the tragedies in my life is Seb, unbeknownst to me, but knows my passion for Grease 2, got me this awesome t-shirt with, and you know, her name is Michelle Pfeiffer's character's name is Stephanie. Stephanie. So sexy, right? So <laughs> it's Stephanie and Michael on there. And he's like, I got you something. This really does encompass my life. And I was like, oh, babes, thanks. Oh my gosh. Didn't expect it. Didn't ask him for anything. I took the scissors. I opened it up and then I took the shirt out. I had chopped the hell out of the shirt that he got me. I was like, God, this is so right. Something wonderful is right here in front of me. And I just chopped the hazel out of it. And now we're still searching for that logo. We can't seem to find it out there anymore. So y'all, if you happen to see a really Mm -hmm. great tea, she's got, it's a crew neck, but it's gray. And it's got Stephanie and her pink lady, you know, satin jacket with the black collar and Michael with the hair 
Please, please give me the link because I'm in desperate need of that with shirt. With that hair. Yeah. Um, just one more quick Grease 2 story. I, when I was in the Book of Mormon and I would give the Broadway care speech for like the two fundraising cycles that we do on the Broadway, Michelle Pfeiffer was in the audience one night and she didn't know that there was going to be like a curtain speech. So like everybody, you know, they're like standing up and you're like, wait, wait, wait. Like we have, we were going to ask for some money. And she was walking up the aisle and I was doing the, like, you know, the speech that, you know, and then I screamed, Michelle Pfeiffer, I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> oh my God. And she turned around and like waved. And the rest of the cast was like, what happened to you? No, no. I honor you for that. You had what a moment. Happened? You couldn't miss that moment. No, I was like, I might never see you again. So I just screamed it. And then I had to be back and be like, the Phyllis Newman's women. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody would. They may not have understood what was happening in the moment, but then looking back, you're like, yep, yeah, can't fault him for that. Yeah, yeah, had to do that. I, guess, I mean, Josh was giving me a hard time. He was like, Grease, too. He was like, why didn't you say like Scarface or something? And I was like, because yeah. Josh. <laughs> no, no, that's enough. That's enough of a sentence right there. How tired were you during Book of Mormon or or did it fill your guts equally as what you were putting out? Yeah. I mean, you know, once you, especially if you open a show in the spring and like it just sort of takes off and then it takes you into like Tony time and all of that stuff. And you're just like, you're riding the wave, you're riding the wave. And, you know, very similar to our falsettos experience. Um, I mean, different because our show was closed, but, you know, Josh. And Roy O'Malley and Nikki James were all nominated. So we kind of, we got to go through that experience together. So as, as exhausting as it was, it was also so thrilling to get to like go to all of those events and do all of that stuff. And then, you know, to go do your show at night. I think that's sometimes what people forget is that like, you still have to go do the show. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like yep. you still got to go do the show. Did you um, know, did you know right from the start, like in rehearsals that that was going to be a great show, just one of those shows that was going to be a classic. Um, I th- I think we were all a little nervous that some of the subject matter yeah. <laughs> seemed a little risky. A little but risky. we thought, well, it was like we'll find a we'll find an audience. It might be a small audience, but we'll we'll find an audience. And you know, here we are, ten years later, and the show is still running on Broadway. It's pretty pretty crazy. I yeah. remember the but- buzz. We were doing nine to five, and you and Josh yes. had finished the reading because Stephen Aremis our musical supervisor and conductor was there with you all in the room. And the buzz that day after the reading literally was like, these are star making turns. This is a musical that's either going to like sweep people up or it's going to be so um, it's just a divisive piece, right? But if you're in for the ride, it's hilarious. And surprisingly life-affirming and uplifting Mm -hmm. in the end. I think so. Like I could not believe how I walked out because, you know, I'm a spiritual girl. I've been in my church. And so I went there and there were a couple of times where my spine went, oh, but then (laughs) if you just exhale, let the art continue and the humor continue and the writing take you. It's not, I mean, I'm big on, we don't need gratuitous. And for some reason, while sitting in the audience, for me, you could connect all the dots, which then yeah. the payoff really was the end. 
it well, really, I think it's a, it's a beautiful ending to that show about like, what is faith and what does that mean? And mm-hmm. I think that that's, I think where we were able to get people is like, mm-hmm. if you made it through some of the more shocking things, like the, the <laughs> overall message is, is pretty faith affirming that yes. yeah. if, if it makes you a better person, if it makes you a kinder person, the details of what you're talking about are maybe not as important as how it affects you. So I, I was always very moved by the end of that show that like yes. we got to share that message with people. I thought that was, yeah. And I think it didn't just offend one group of people. It kind of offended oh, many, 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 many oh groups gosh, across the board. Everybody. So yeah. one group <laughs> couldn't be upset because they were offending kind of everybody. When you get past the sort of, and I say in quotes, truth telling, but pointing out of the of the hypocrisies and everything, it comes down to this yeah. that was really life affirming and about faith and about. You now, know, let's yeah. be just honest, in this day and yeah. age, could it possibly open? I don't know. I'll I don't know. Honest. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Well, they just rewrote it. I mean, they just had ah, to make some that I didn't massive, know. Yeah, they made some pretty big changes to it before they reopened. So, oh, really? Um, I think they took that as an opportunity. You know, the shutdown of of discussing certain aspects of the show, um, specifically with the Ugandan cast and yeah. sort of how they're portrayed. And they and to Trey and Matt and Bobby's credit, like they changed it. You know, you don't hear about that a lot. No, you don't. Not when it. you have a bona fide commercial hit. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it was very cool that they did that. Can you oh, talk gosh. a little bit about your experience doing prom? Oh, I sure. Mean, as a kid, you know, in Omaha, the 16 year old dreaming about it. Did you ever think you'd be out there singing with Meryl? I mean, come on. No, 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 no. Um, no. And in fact, when Ryan Murphy offered me that job, he was very sweet. And it, it like much like, you know, Ryan does, he just sort of like drops something on you that he called me and said, you're going to do the, you know, film version of the prom. It's going to be you and Meryl and Nicole Kidman. and James So Kidman. wait, wait, wait. And so I was like, it's, it's not what? for your interest or consideration. It's you're no, going you're to gonna be do doing. Uh huh. Yeah. You're going to do it. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, please. But the first day we um, rehearsed, because we actually had like a full rehearsal period for mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like four weeks um, that we got to, you know, learn all that choreography and, it was Casey Nicola who had, you know, choreographed oh, the Mormon, which was really fun. So, but I showed up and I pulled into the Paramount like studio parking lot, and there was a car next to me with this woman in a red wig, and it was Meryl Streep, where she wears like a rehearsal wig because she was like, "Well, I'm going to be wearing it, you know, when we're filming, so I might as well mm-hmm. get used to like what that is." And and there she was, and then we had to learn choreography together that day, and I. <laughs> was like sort of shaking. And I said, I was like, can I touch you? And she said, yeah, we like, we're going to do, we have to do this thing where you have to like hold my hand. I was like, okay, I just didn't know. Cause the only other time I had ever met Meryl Streep was at Ann Roth's birthday. Ann Roth, who's a brilliant costume, costume designer. designer. And she had her birthday is on October 30th. So she usually throws like some sort of costume party and she threw a costume party while this is while we were doing the book of Mormon. She was like, you have to come in costume. You must come in a costume. So I decided that I would dress as a slutty astronaut. (laughs) (laughs) And I was wearing a very tight astronaut suit with like aviators. And like, I like, I looked like real porny and real ridiculous. And I walked into the party and it was just Ann Roth and Meryl Streep. (laughs) No. 
And they were not in costume. No, no. Wait a second. So Anne no. tells you, you must come in costume. Yeah. And the, and she the matriarch the of this party is not uh-huh. wearing a costume. Not in the costume. And you, neither, neither was Meryl Street. So please tell me later first. people showed up in costume. Yes. Okay. People thank did God. show up in costume, but yeah. But so I, I t- reminded Meryl Streep <laughs> of that at one point and she was mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you were the astronaut. I remember yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. I was like, she was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they're all, I mean, what I like, what was so cool about, especially having that rehearsal process was how hard she worked and, and Nicole worked and James Corden, like everybody just, you know, just sort of dove in musical theater style. And that was really satisfying to see. And I feel like, and I don't know if this was like a conscious choice on their part, but it just really like leveled the playing field for everyone. And it felt like we were all on the same team and that nobody was going to be, you know, fancy or a movie star or, you know, everybody was just trying to learn this choreography and trying yeah. to, you know, learn their music. And, yeah. and Nicole Kidman, man, she, she ran that choreography every chance she would get. And she was always mm-hmm. the one too. like, we learned that the finale and we shot it pretty sequentially actually. So the finale was the last thing that we filmed. So we had learned it, but then months later here, we're filming it. And Nicole was always the one who would be like, let's run the finale. I love hearing let's that. Let's do it. I love so she would that. like, she would make us get up and we would get our little dance captain to come over and like, we would just run the finale every time we could. She was, she's a, yeah, she's great. She's love real, it. real great. Love it. Should we talk about falsettos? I think we have to talk about the falsettos. For falsettos. me, it's it still is the my favorite thing I've bottom, ever done. The favorite yeah. thing I've ever done, and that yeah. you know, if you're listening, please take no offense in every other way. But there was just something that was remarkably. <laughs> I've never had an experience from the moment you get cast until again you're going through the award season together. That was joyful and purposeful and felt important, but fed my, I was so tired because I was a new mama, but it felt, it really fed my soul. I wanted to hang with you guys. I wanted to commune with you guys, have dinner with y'all. I only wanted to tell the story with this perfectly, um, gathered cast and the time we were telling it, it just was lightning in a bottle. It was the perfect, it was the perfect experience. You're right. From, from, top to bottom it was really yeah it's it's you know and i and i've gotten to do a lot of really fun stuff and i'm not you know as you said not not trying to offend anyone else i work with but that was a a perfect experience it was really perfect and as i'm so happy we got to film it oh my gosh me too there is a record of it because the run was not that long i think it was like 16 weeks so while a lot of people did get to see it in new york it just like especially you know, coming from the the PBS of it all as like a kid and knowing what oh, those yeah. productions mean, mm-hmm. like that's it. That was sort of one of the best parts about it that we got to film it and share it, and it exists. And and know. I've 
I've probably watched it a good half a dozen times, not for my performance, but because we all were on stage with each other. I yeah. think we felt each other's energies. We could hear each other's inflections, but not necessarily see all the choices being made. So literally when you're like hepatitis, hepatitis, like <laughs> that facial expression <laughs> took on a whole different meaning to that line reading from what I was hearing in the back of my head. Genius. There are genius moments going on in, There's some good ones. in that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some real sure. good ones. So, I just, so I just got to do a um a little Christmas concert with Betsy Wolf I here saw in New that. York, which was very fun. But we were hackling about some of the, you know, the things that like just when you're in a show that happened on stage oh. that she was, you know, we would we would sing that unlikely lover song, which is such a beautiful song. And I am not good at harmony. And I would often just drift to whatever Betsy was singing. <laughs> and supposed to be four parts, but here I was in that bed. And I was like, well, she's right next to me. I can't. And she was, yeah. Betsy was like, did you ever learn the harmony? And I was like, I don't think I did, Bet. I just sang what you were singing. Um, that was it. Oh my gosh. His music fun. though is not easy. So if you lose your harmony, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to find the pocket and jump back in. No, no. you can't no. just sort of wing a Bill Finn. You know, it's not no. SATB. It's not that. No. So if you go it's off, I think place. it is better just to hop on to Betsy's back and, and see <laughs> yep. where it takes just you. Be like, Here we are. That's, but that's fine, one thing right? I love about you, Andrew, is that your <laughs> connection, the relationships that you carry with you, like Zuzana, your best friend for how many years? Yeah. How many decades? 24 years. Right. When someone is so busy and she's busy too, yeah. when you guys yeah. are working so hard and whether that's your family or Zuzana or Betsy or myself, how do you prioritize keeping those connections because it does take time and effort and that ability to juggle all of many life's facets is something that I truly admire about you. Oh, well, thank you. Um, you know, you're lucky if you take a couple people with you from every production that you're a part of, you know, it's like you always end, you know, closing night is always, we'll be best friends forever, but <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way. You're lucky if you get to, you know, really build a connection. And that's something that I remember learning as a kid, like even just doing like community theater was like, if you do want to keep in touch, like it's kind of up to you, like it's up to you to sort of keep those, those communication. I mean, and you know, there's certainly people that like, I love working with and I maybe won't see them for like a year, but then you have a moment at a party or something and you see them and it's, it's like no time has passed mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And I think mm -hmm. that's a special part of, I don't know if it's specific to our business, but I've certainly found that to be true that like, you can always sort of fall back into the old jokes and the old connections. Yep. And um, it's a, that's, I think what it's, it's a really special part of what we get to do is, yeah. you know, you, you have these very intense moments with people. I mean, I haven't, spoken to Christian Borel in a long time, but I but know you the would next pick time up, I see him, exactly yeah, and it's going to be, off. you know yeah. what, let's call him. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Morning, Christian. And now it's time for the five questions. I'm just going to throw a brand new one out there, Stephanie. Oh, oh well, Even shit. Stephanie hasn't heard this one. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Andrew, what would be the theme song of your life? 
the theme song of my life, the first thing that popped into my head was, I don't know if you remember the show from the 80s, but it's a living. Yes. <laughs> Life's not the French Riviera. The French Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's what it good. would be. Right now, I think mine would just be 60 minutes. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> That's what I feel every damn waking moment of the day. Oh, my God. Um, right. If I was to step into your closet, is there a garment or an item that holds such special memories that you will never, ever get rid of it? Um, I have the uh the tuxedo that i wore the first time uh, i went to the tonys as a nominee mm. that um i don't fit in anymore <laughs> and i don't i don't know if i ever will but i will always keep that tuxedo I love in it. fact sometimes during the pandemic i would just try it on to see how close i could get those pants to close <laughs> and sometimes they would and i mean i certainly couldn't sit in it but um, maybe I could lean or stay. We'll get you one of those things that they put in maternity jeans. Where yes, you're like you hook it on, you hook yeah. it on the thing, and you, and yeah. you have yep. that whole elastical opening there. We'll get that for you, yeah. so you can you, put I it on and it. feel good about being in that tux again. The well, women know all the tricks for those sort of things. <laughs> yep. Okay, yeah. if you could have any power or ability, supernatural or not, what would it be? Um, teleportation. Mm. I would like to be able to like bounce from place to place with where would you go first? Um, Mm. well, it would just be easier to like visit my family and like, I could go be in your living room right Mm -hmm. now. Or I, you know, yeah, I think that's, that would be it. Oh my gosh. There was also, well, I'm going to give it a a two part answer. There was also a show when I was a kid called, um, out of this world where a girl, she could, she could step. No, that's a small wonder. Um, (laughs) Forgive me. My bad. My bad. She, she could stop time by touching her fingertips together. Do you remember oh, the show? No. I, I often think of that sometimes too. Of like, okay. I wish I could do that. But a teleportation, that would be the big one. Uh, do yeah. you have a good luck charm or a ritual? I tried to sort of break myself of that habit because good. I got real, um, I could get really in my head about it. So I try I try to break myself of, of the, the rituals. Just because it's like, then it, it's if something goes wrong, mm. then I, I get too superstitious or mm-hmm. I get, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I get nervous about that. So Fair. I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't do, or do a repeat thing. Okay. Final question. Okay. If you were a nail polish color, what color <laughs> okay. would you be? And what would the cheeky little name be? What color would I be? Uh, I mean, probably like a, a, red and um i think um my it would uh the name Meryl's would be, wig would you call it Meryl's wig, wig? oh that's <laughs> no, a good one i would call it i would call it um the higher the hair the closer to god <laughs> it's a long title for a nail polish but i feel like people would get it yeah they're all in they know. It's very 80s. Have you, have you noticed 80s. that my hair has like grown since we've been talking? Yeah. So you're about it's six, like gotten, two and a half now. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten bigger. It just yeah. happens. I thank you. Thank you for your ah, time. Thank you so much. I love you, you lots and me. lots. I love you too. And so nice to meet you. So nice to meet um, you. And um, thank you for um, for having me. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Yes. You're awesome. I can't wait to, again, hug you in person. Okay. Yes. We're going to stay on. We're going to talk about you for a little bit. Happy, happy Monday. All right. I love you, Steffi. Love you too. Bye. 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 
Coming up next, what struck a chord with us right after a word from our sponsor. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our theme song says, love where you are now, but sometimes we all need a little help. I've learned from therapy and in my yoga practice that growth comes from challenges. A good therapist can help you reframe the way you look at a challenge and your life. And BetterHelp can provide you with a therapist that gives you some tools to navigate. They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can reach a therapist in under 48 hours. And right now, Stages cast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp, so don't wait. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages, and love where you are now. Funny as all get out, right? So what a great guy. The way his mind works is what I love and the specificity with which his mind works, yeah. right? Yeah. And maybe it's because I grew up kind of in that same four or five year span, but when he references things, I yeah. know I can drop in at that place and time and know exactly yeah. what he's talking about. So it really tickles me in a way that I'm like, okay, you and I speak the same sort of pop culture language. Yeah. Because when I talk to kids, I'm going to call you young people in um, late teens or even twenties. I am of the age where I'm like, I'm not quite sure what that is. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to Google that or look that up. But when he says something, oh my gosh, I immediately start to laugh. Cause I was like, I know exactly where you well, are and, and what you're and talking And he about. never, he never references the really popular stuff. He references the right. sort of off kilter. Yes. Yeah, the outliers. So that, so yeah. So that definitely, if you know what that is, you can connect to the humor that he's trying to project. And the success of him is, I mean, I did a lot of homework to kind of go back and be like, oh yeah, he did this, this, and this. And even still, I missed like three really huge. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, when I did the prom or now I'm doing yeah. this thing, Girls Five Eva. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're everywhere. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about Black Monday and and he's doing also doing so many things so that I think he doesn't really latch on. You know, it's actually a really great attitude to have about everything. If you're sort of white knuckling. I think we talked about that a little bit in, in, in Pamela Bob's episode, when you're white knuckling or holding on to either what you did or what you want to do, it doesn't leave room for any flow. He seems to take it very much in stride and with great humor Mm -hmm. and perspective. He sort of Mm -hmm. puts it into a perspective of, yes, it's super important and it's super fun and it's everything ever dreamed of, but it doesn't define everything about me is how he seems to come across. He walks this balance of being down home, like old fashioned goodness, but his art is pretty um, risque, you know, like big mouth. It's got some edge and some um, sharp tongue and some explicit humor to it. Same thing with Black Monday. His book, I will say it is so worth the read or the listen, but he speaks very personally about a lot of issues like we spoke about, right? About um, sexual awakenings, uh, sexual mishaps, sexual scares, um, finding his way through New York City, which everybody's story is going to be different and it's going to have these details. But I, I just want you to know that his heart and his humor is in there, but he is unzipping his self and showing you a lot of the 
a lot of his guts. And it a takes lot of way hurt. more, way more courage to do sure. that than I would ever have. I don't, I don't think I would be able to be as open about my mistakes or my mishaps or the things that trip me up as he was. He's, and it's, it's sort of unapologetic, but not really. It's just this honesty, no shame. I think that's right. that he, he's sort of doing it without shame. And I right. think that's really unique and really needed. Because I think he believes that the sum of all parts Mm -hmm. or what makes him him. And when you can embrace that, then there is a freedom. I'm still yeah. searching for that too. I, I, I just have to always take the temperature of the environment and the people that are in that environment when yeah. I choose to share, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think he's come to a place in his life where he said, it's, it's time. And I think, again, it wasn't just about, I have to share this for me. There are cautionary tales in there and there, yeah. there's a reason, there's a bigger reason for yeah. him to tell these stories. Yeah. It wasn't just telling the story to tell the story to be of shock mm -hmm. value. He actually is trying to empower young kids mm -hmm. who, mm -hmm. who find themselves in a similar position. And that's what I really enjoyed about why he told the story. I think that's so important. And the other thing about him that I think is worth noting is what you mentioned in the interview about these long-term friendships that he has. He has friendships from, you know, his teens mm -hmm. and his twenties. And there's something about that. And I don't know if it's just because I'm the type of person to hold on to long-term mm -hmm. friendships in my life. You know, I think my oldest is my friend who I met when I was about 12 and I just saw her two nights ago. And, you know, to me, people that can accept people through all the different phases of their life and allow mishaps to fall away and allow them to explore who they are in that moment and change a little, but keep coming back to your life. I think people who allow you to do that and who allow others to do that is a really special thing. And I try to be that person for, for my friends. And I know that the ones I've held on to have been that for me. I mean, yeah. you're an example of that too. You and I have gone through so many different roads and pulled apart and come together and, you know, the weaving of and the Mary different Lee, timing. If you don't say stages right now. I'm going to punch you <laughs> in the guts. You know, Steph, <laughs> what it's about, it's about someone who can see you through the different stages That's of right. your life. That's right. That's right. I will keep him through the many stages in my life. And I hope he keeps me. I mean, one of the memories that I love is that we had finished falsettos. Vivi was going to turn two and seven. I had this wackadoodle. It's totally selfish to bring her to Disney world. And next thing I knew, Andrew's like, I want to come. Christian was like, Oh, I'm going. And Brenda's like, Oh, we're all going to celebrate Vivi's <laughs> second birthday. And we got Aww. our face painted and we did like Disneyland and Epcot so to celebrate fun. this little two-year-old. And it's moments like that, that are indelible to me. And they're generosity of spirit and time, you know, cause it sounds fun and all, but when you're adult grown people to dedicate like two or three days to go to Disney world, to celebrate a, a friend's two-year-old, I, I just find it so, so beautiful. And it really was one of those moments where I was like, these are my guys. They Aww, are there for I me and my that. family. Me too. And that really was a special show. I was so happy I got to see that show on stage. Me too. And I'm I've said it before. I just thought you were utterly brilliant in that Thank show. You. Yeah, Thank it was you. a great, great, great show. Thank you. You're so fortunate to have been able to do it and, you know, be a part of it. I recognize that. All right, All right my love. This was Thank fun. You. Thank you. Me, I know I felt that way too. I like starting my day with fun. It's good. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. 
So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music, Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages Podcast logo, Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer, and Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.